thank you for downloading this podcast from Gaimere Baptist Church. You can find out more about our church at our website, gaimerebaptist.org.au. May God speak to you as you listen. So the Bible reading this morning comes from 1 Corinthians um, chapter 9, starting at verse 19. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am not, sorry, though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became the weak, to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all of this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessing. Well, good morning again. As we uh, finish our series on evangelism today, we're looking at this passage in Corinthians where Paul is speaking and writing a letter to the Corinthian church. And it's an encouragement. It's a bit of a tongue twister. Sorry to the Bible readers. <laughs> it's kind of like the how much wood could a woodchuck wood it if a woodchuck could chuck wood, that thing. Hey, because it's like back and forth, back and forth. And while it was written nearly 2,000 years ago, it has so much relevance for us today. Because as we live our faith out loud, we're going to need to be agile. Agile in our relationships, just like what Paul is here. And in this passage, in verse 22, Paul sums it all up. And he says that he has become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. And if this is applicable to us too, and we are to be all things to all people, then it actually begs the question... How do we share the gospel and not water it down? Or how do we remain authentic without being an inauthentic chameleon, changing for the people that we're meeting? Or how do we win others without losing ourselves? And when we look at Paul's agility, it was for the gospel. He gave up certain rights. He waived his own privileges and offered up his own freedom by denying himself for the sake of Jesus and his message. A little earlier in this particular chapter, in verse 12, Paul says, we put up with anything rather than it hinder or become an obstacle to the gospel of Christ. So Paul is constantly adapting himself, his living situation and how he comes across to those around him to ensure that the gospel of Christ was the main event and not himself detracting away from it. And he gives some pretty wild extremes. I'm free, I belong to no one, but I'm a slave to everyone. I'm a Jew, but I don't have to be under the laws of the Jews, but if I'm talking to Jew, I'll be a Jew. It's like, who even are you? But it shows that whatever situation he's in, he's aware of it and has the agility that is necessary to adapt and shift himself so he doesn't stand in the way of the message that's going out. And you see these repeated statements in this passage. 
says, I became like this type of people. I became like this group of people. I became like them to win them. And agility has to do with our ability to move quick and easily, to think of on our feet, to observe what's going on and use it to our advantage, to think outside the square and be willing to go outside our own boundaries if it serves a higher purpose. So when we're thinking of evangelism and being agile ourselves, does this passage effectively encourage us to do the old adage that we might know, when in Rome, do as the Romans do? Is that what it's saying? Well, let's think on this example. In 2010, a church in Texas in the United States promoted their Easter services with a $1 million giveaway, the ultimate giveaway, they called it. And with this gimmick, they gave away 15 cars, loads of flat-screen TVs, sporting goods, guitars, furniture, and the pastor said that the prizes were a metaphor for the Easter message, which is the ultimate free giveaway. No one went home empty-handed. They have over, had over 15,000 show bags with vouchers inside them worth $300. So for the 20-odd thousand people that came, they all got something. And get this, the church raised the money for these prizes. $2 million! That's a different kind of May Mission Month. Now, doing something like this, would you say that it reflected the consumer culture of the United States at that time? Yes. Did they become like consumers to reach consumers? Yes. Did they do a lot of stuff with the intention to save others? Sure. But the bigger question is this. In the context of that great commission that Jesus has given us, did the outcome lead people to Jesus? Did it make disciples of Jesus, or did it just make people excited and compliant for the hope of winning a new car? Did it open a pathway towards Jesus that people could become fully devoted followers, or did it just stir up fully devoted followers of free stuff? And when the gimmicks stop, was anyone left standing there? Because what you win people through can often be what you win them to. Could people see past the medium of winning a car or a gigantic TV and getting as much free loot as possible? Or was that the actual main focus? The medium cannot be the message, but the message needs to lead people to Jesus. It's an interesting one to ponder. And you can actually go online and see videos of this particular church and what they did. Interesting watch. Another example that we see is Paul himself in Acts chapter 17. And he's in the Greek city of Athens. And the thing that the Athenians were into back in the day was just sitting around and just shooting the breeze with people. What have you got to tell me? Hmm, new ideas? Yep, out in the village square, just talking up a storm. So Paul shows up in Athens and he starts talking about this new idea of Jesus and he uses the popular cultural medium to share this message. And while there's varying reactions from people, the response that we see is in Acts chapter 17, 
verses 19 to 20. And they say this, may we know of this new teaching that you are presenting? You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears. (laughs) And we would like to know what they mean. So while Paul used the typical culture of the day, the message was not constrained or restrained or compromised by it. He actually then went on to affirm some of their observance of religion and then shares a message of Jesus by making reference to this altar that was just happened to be sitting there that had written on it, to the unknown God. And Paul steps up and says, see this altar you have here to the unknown God? Well, I've come to tell you who this God is. And as a result, some of them, not all, became followers and believed. So I guess a better way of thinking of that metaphor, when in Rome, do as the Romans do, is maybe this. When in Rome, or in Athens, as in Paul's case, consider what the Athenians do and where it doesn't compromise or overtake the message, use it. Through what Paul did, the message didn't get muddied. The gospel was primary, and the adaptation to culture was secondary. And this is that space of agility. It's not just adding a little bit of cultural garnish to pretty it up at the end. There you go, that's a little bit of parsley on the side. Nor is it an opportunity to indulge in whatever we want to do, because that's the fast track to hypocrisy. But it's about offering ourselves as a living sacrifice. And it's interesting because in Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, he writes and tells them about how he has worked so hard. He's constantly been on the move. He's been in prison multiple times. He's been beaten to the point of death several times. Oh, good times. He's been whipped. He's been smashed with stones. He's been chased after. He's been in danger in multiple locations. He's gone without sleep. He's gone hungry and he's been cold and he's been naked at times. And add to this, he's responsible for all these new churches that are opening up. Does this sound like someone who's agile? Does that sound like someone who is flexible to roll with the punches, even if that means literal punches? Does that mean this is someone who understands what it means to give up his freedom, willing to give up his rights and perceive privileges for the sake of the gospel? This is agility. And this is the level of agility that Paul was willing to go to because representing the gospel was the purpose of his life. He allowed every corner of his life to be available to the gospel so he could share in the blessings of it and even if it only meant gaining some. So what does that mean for us? What does that mean for us sitting here today? Well, let's change gears a bit. Have you ever been out buying a piece of clothing or an accessory or something like that? And you think, all right, yep, this looks good. This is going to fit me. And you look for the tag, you find it, and you have a look. Ha! Laugh out loud. On that tag is OSFA. One size fits all. (laughs) And then you know, this ain't going to fit me. Who does this even fit? Like a small child wouldn't even fit into this. Not even a chihuahua would fit into this. Who is this 
all that you were talking about fits all because I'm not sure if this thing's going to fit me as we usually try and it's like not fitting, not fitting. Similarly, in sharing the gospel, one size does not fit all. What we may wholeheartedly assume would be a good fit for everyone or is a good fit for me because I love it or has always been done this way so it's just the way it is may now be ineffective. And it may not fit at all as we were expecting it to. And if that were the case, would you be agile enough? Would you be humble enough to let it go? Because if you've noticed, we're living in an extremely diverse world now. There's no one method of evangelism or one style that fits for all the ages. There's no set and forget in life. And even past history attests to that. And it opens up the world of possibilities because we've got to think, how does Jesus work in this culture? How does Jesus make a difference for someone who is so different to me? And this is where our agility to be all things to all people kicks in. Because we've got to learn and lean in and listen to the world around us and the people around us to consider how would the gospel even make sense. Consider this. Here's a snapshot from our 2016 national census. In over 50 years since 1966 in Australia, the population has doubled from 11.4 million people to 23.4 million people. That's a little bit of a shift, huh? 80% of that population are in New South Wales. And I think they're moving to the Shire with all the amount of high-rise apartments that are being built, right? More than one in four people in Australia are migrants. And for the first time in our history, the majority of our migrant background are now from an Asian context, not European. And whilst English is the common language here, one in five people speak another language at home, such as Mandarin, Arabic, Hindi, Cantonese or Vietnamese. And 63% of the people who did the census last year did it via the website, which is the first time it's been online. No more paper. This is big, not only big in the sense of our population, but who we are as a people group and as a nation. Because it's likely that when we meet people now, that we will have vastly different perspectives. That they could actually speak different languages. And that a majority of Australians now have the ability to show up in the new village square, which is now the internet. You think the game's changed a little bit? You think of all the people that you cross paths with in your daily life through school, at work, at the local shops, on the train, people you just bump into. This diversity is going to be showing up in those interactions. And it demands agility in the way that we think, in the way that we act, the things we say, the things we maybe don't say, so that we can be all things to all people. We've got to think about the medium 
that a gospel message may potentially need and what rights and freedoms and entitlements and norms that we may need to give up in that process. Not to hinder or detract from the gospel message, but how we can decrease so Jesus can increase. Take, for example, how does this apply to us? Take this, take this, think of this for an example. While Australia has been English-speaking for all of our known lives, which from a broader perspective has only been a 200-year phenomenon, are we willing to forego and forfeit our primary experience of being willing to be agile, or sorry, of being willing to hear someone speak in another language? Or are we expecting them to speak English just like us? Because I don't know if you've ever spoken to someone from a different culture, but it's hard when you can't communicate. Are you willing to go into that zone to lean in and to try and communicate whatever it takes? Or are you just going to dismiss them and say, well, if you come here, you should learn to speak the language? With a measure of our daily success, often driven by the clock, if we are not on time or if we're behind schedule, are we willing to be interruptible and forgo our beautiful task list, which really needs to be done, if people need to talk to you, if someone needed an ear to listen or a shoulder to cry on or some help, would you be willing to let go of your clock or your time or your your to-do list? Or maybe it's something as simple as investing time in prayer rather than our preference to just get stuff done, which we get the satisfaction out of and we think helps God, but it's actually prayer that God is wanting us to engage in. Whatever emotional reaction that screams loudest within you as you encounter different situations or different people or people that are just from completely different paradigms, are you willing to be agile, to create generous space for others, for their benefit at your own expense? Or is agility a non-negotiable? Sorry, shop's closed. Because I think in Paul's mind, Agility is essential. When we think of where the gospel literally came from, it stepped out of centuries of Jewish tradition and into the Gentile world. It's amazing to think of that. It went to the Romans, it went to the Greeks, it came to Australia, it went around the globe. That is the gospel message. It crosses barriers, it crosses cultures. And from the get-go, it was a universal message meant for all nations, one that was not going to be made a prisoner to any culture, but was intended to go all around the world. Or how's this? Do you know what a typical Christian looks like today? What is a typical Christian? If we were to have a poster person, of like, this is typical Christian Joe, would it be someone like anyone sitting here? This is who it would be. It would be a woman from a favela in Brazil or from a village in Nigeria because the vast majority of Christians these days are young, poor, theologically conservative, often not having much training, female and a person of colour. That's the vast majority of Christianity today. I don't know if there's anyone in here that looks like that. Anyone? Well, what about this? Think about the Bible. It's been translated 
into over 500 languages, the whole Bible. Or at least some part of the Bible has been translated in 2,932 languages. Who even knew there was that many languages? But this is our God and our gospel going out and crossing over those divides. And while that's a linguistic translation, there's a need for us to translate the gospel for the sake of others by being agile in our approach. To literally be Jesus with skin on, being all things to all people, and being agile to reveal his good news and above all, his love. And while Paul talks about being all things to all people, it's comforting that he actually settles on the fact that he only may save some. He doesn't be all things to all people that he may win all of them. He goes, that I might win some. And for us, maybe we just need to be starting with some. Some of the people around me, some of my friends, some of my family, my neighbours, the people I bump into, the people I work with. How can I be agile and be all things to them that I might save some? And I think in doing that, it's evidence of the belief that whatever means we go to, even if it's just for some, the gospel is so worth it. And while this concept has the potential to sound a little bit impersonal and insensitive, like it's just about the numbers and getting scalps or statistics on the or runs on the board, the driving force and motivation behind it is love. The thing that flavours all of this is love because only a few sections further on in this letter to the Corinthians is the greatest passage on love you'd ever find, 1 Corinthians 13. And who'd have thought that that's not just an ornamental passage that you'd read at weddings? It actually has got something to say to us, something for us to live. It's a great idea, love, right? You love, love people. But love is actually hard. And well, at times, it's just inconvenient. And I would say at times, love requires some of that agility. But if there's something that can ever cross boundaries, that can be understood by all people, whatever colour or religion or language you speak, it's love. So as we finish this series in evangelism, it's a great reminder to us that this is part of our identity in Christ. This is who we are. Because as Christ loves us, so we are compelled to love others. As the Father has sent Jesus, so Jesus has sent us for the sake of the world. And out in that foyer out there, we have a, a reminder written over our entrance. So as we come in and go out, come in and go out, it reminds us that we are sent people of God. But you know what the most important part of this sign is? Just have a look. What do you think? What's the most important thing? I'll show you what it is. This is, this is my take on it. It's this part. <laughs> Little green guy, just go, go. And as we have talked about, this is half time. This is where the team comes in, puts your hands in, has a couple of oranges. Like, how are you going? Great. Yep. Bit down on the back line. Uh, this is half time. Go. Green guy, go. It's a time that we come in and refresh and energize and gather together to worship as a fellowship of, of people that are surrendered and living for God. But the main game is out there. 
so that everywhere we go and in everything we do, we will invite everyone to follow Jesus. Because this is the good news of Jesus, that is literally a game changer. And worth not only experiencing ourselves, but living out loud to the world around us, that we might save some. I'm going to ask the team to come forward, and we're going to respond in a couple of songs and some time of prayer and worship. So as we kind of wrap up this series, think about what is God challenging you to? Where can you be agile in your life? Who are your some? Who are the some that God wants you to step out in and proclaim that message of freedom? It's going to be an interesting ride next year. So let's pray, and then we'll take some time to respond to God. Jesus, we just thank you so much for how much of a a game changer you are, for how much that you want to come into our lives and offer yourself so freely, offer your life that we could be changed by you. We just pray, Lord, that you continue to speak to us through this, and we look forward so much to next year as we start to kick off this new series and how it is that we can be sent as your people. And we just ask this.